Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park It's the list and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. All right, we are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, managing editor of Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulSelect.com. Head over to Fightful Select. You can get some additional premium podcasts. I want you all to head over there. Just check out our community section. Make your picks for the greatest Royal Rumble. We'll be doing the same today. Uh, I filmed a new retro podcast that will go out next week, SummerSlam 2000. We have a Q&A podcast that is up now. We're going to have the Weekender. It'll be a little bit early in light of the greatest Royal Rumble, but we have tons of stuff. Just head over to FightfulSelect.com and check it out. Right before this podcast, I posted early access to our Fightful Wrestling Weekly column, Hot Dog. I'm joined like by Jimmy Van. I like your shirt, man. Uh, yeah, I bought it in Toronto. Oh, you did. I like it. I like it. I, I want to touch. I want to touch upon the Toronto incident. Yeah. Before before we get started, Nigel might even have uh, something to add to this, but I just want to touch upon this. And first and foremost, I had uh, several people on Twitter, and I got a bunch of text messages from friends out of the city and stuff asking if I was all right, and I really appreciated that. Uh, the incident happened on Monday in Uptown Toronto. My office is in Midtown Toronto, so it was actually probably a good fifteen minute to twenty minute drive away from me. But I heard about it Monday. Uh, anybody who's been living under a rock that didn't hear about it, some idiot uh, drove on the sidewalk, hit 25 people, 10 killed, 15 injured. Uh, and the one thing I wanted to say, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little story before I kind of explain what I want to say. I moved to Toronto in 98. I'm from a small town of 1,000 people. Moved to Toronto in 98. And when I did that, my dad, who I actually have a great relationship with, but he's not the best at communication, said to me, you're going to get shot or mugged, and you're going to be home in two months. <laughs> and that was oh my, my dad's God. way. Yeah, because that was my dad's way of saying, I don't want you to go. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. The mentality in a lot of small towns is that Toronto is like the big metropolis of crime and violence, right, in, in small town Canada. But in reality, Toronto's not that at all. No, and, not, a, and not at all. Not at all. The 20 years that I've been here, I've never had one problem. I remember one time somebody's pointed at a certain street to me. And they said, don't go down that street at night. And what did I do like a month later when it was like 11 p.m.? I walked down that street. Nobody said a word. Nobody bothered me. Like Toronto's always been really safe. This thing that happened on Monday, this is rare. This is a very rare thing. Never happens here. And there's been a lot of uh, speculation about, oh, it's it's, uh, ISIS-related or something. I don't think it's anything of the sort. I think it's one guy who was a little unstable uh, who made a really bad decision. And I'm, uh, I am not for, for police violence, but in this one situation, I wouldn't have minded if they popped him in the skull. But they, they didn't. They arrested him. 
and uh, he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. But this yes, was a will. very this was a very rare isolated incident. So anybody that was ever thinking about maybe coming to Canada for the summer, come to Toronto for the summer, don't look at this and think, oh, it's it's a it's a it's a haven now for crime and violence because it just isn't. My wife's parents the next day said to her, make sure you don't take a walk down Young Street. And I'm I was like, like, you... like seriously, like this, this stuff doesn't happen here ever. It was a, re- it was a really rare. Well, thing. N- not only that, I mean, I recognized the street on the news and immediately messaged you all like, hey, everybody okay? Because I recognize that from the address. And yeah. I come to find out, oh, well, that's five miles away. Yeah. So it's it's real easy for somebody who's never been or doesn't go there a lot to say, don't walk down that street. Uh, well, yeah. good luck getting around Toronto. I think it's the longest street in the world, right, Nigel? Yeah, Young Street is ridiculously long. Young Street is the longest long. street in the world, yeah. yeah. Well, but, as, uh, as a display of good faith, I am willing to allow you to bring me to Toronto to show everybody how safe it is. We'll see. Nice. <laughs> we'll see. But I want, I want to send my condolences to the families of those uh, affected by that. Yes. And again, it was an unfortunate thing that last I heard, they've only released three names of the, of three victims. Yeah, I've only seen three. Yeah, but uh, it was a real unfortunate thing. And again, it was an isolated incident. It was rare. Toronto was not a city to be, you know, fearful. Uh, it's safe. Like I said, I've never had one problem in twenty years, Sean. Twenty years. Unfortunately, all too common where I live to the point to where, when my wife and I are discussing where we're going to move in the future, we've had a friend who was shot at random. Never, never figured out why or how 20 minutes away from where we want to live. And we had to pick the the more suburban area, but I never hear stuff like that about Toronto. And we went there. It was so clean. It was friendly. It was, it was a real melting pot. It was just, it was such a friendly place. And I've never had an issue, never had one issue ever. And it's funny because Nigel will know this. The slums of Toronto are, are known as Jane and Finch. Yeah. So that's like the, the intersection of what's considered the slum of Toronto. You drive through Jane and Finch, and slum is probably not the word you're going to think of because it looks like a, a regular neighborhood. But in Toronto, that's what, the, what, that's what they refer to as the slums. It's, it's, a, it's a nice town. There's no issues here. Well, and I, I'm not trying to crap on New York here, but when I asked people what Toronto was like, I had several New Yorkers say, it's clean New York. Yeah, kind of smaller, cleaner, yeah. It is. I love New York too. I've been to New York many times, but I'm not going to lie. I've seen guys pissing uh, pissing uh, doorways in New York many times. Yeah, well, I live in Kentucky, so I can't exactly say a whole lot about that. I <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky well, if they get to the doorway here. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to mention it, and uh, Nigel, if you want to add anything, uh, feel free. I mean, the only thing I would say is like just to kind of echo what you said about not letting that kind of make make up your mind about the city in general but one of the things that i saw was a lot of people looking to jump to conclusions and use it as a politically motivated thing to fit a narrative right um there was way more people who were like this is not what we do here shut the fuck up and i think that that's really important i saw a piece in the globe and mail that uh was talking about the difference between the way that our city and our country handle these sorts of things and saying look we're not europe we're not going to talk about migrants and immigrants and demonize people and, and do this sort of thing. And I think that's uh, that's really important. There you go. So I wanted to bring that up. Um, you, to, to shift topic, unless you want to say something, Sean. I just want to say you all can hear more of Nigel's wise words at Fightful Select. He was my first guest on the Members Only podcast last week, which I have brought back for Fightful Select monthly. It's more of a non-wrestling show. I'll talk about TV, movies, stuff like that. But uh, – Join us there as well. 
There you go. So let's move on. Uh, you posted something on the website today. This is April 25th. You posted something on the website saying that this is going to be the nicest edition of the list and your boy. And I want to know what that means. What episode number is it? April 25th. What episode number is it? I have no idea. It's number 69, Jimmy. Nice. <laughs> you know what, Sean? You are so lucky to have Sean. That's the perfect segue. That's the perfect segue, Sean. Are you ready for this segue, my friend? It couldn't get any better than Uh-oh. that segue. Couldn't get any better than that. Appropriate. I thought about getting some gear to reflect it. However, I went the Toronto route. I went the more responsible route. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did things the way I do them. <laughs> and anybody anybody who's not watching the video, you're not going to be able to see this. You want to stand up briefly? Uh, yeah, can I? Can you get me on there? Oh, yeah. No, we, we got it now. Okay, good. So this was, uh, this was a, a stupid people topic a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was so hilarious that as a joke, I went and got the shirt. So. I just want to let you all know, the office in which Jimmy is at right now, he's the boss. Yes, I am. It's funny. It is. I mean, I mean, anybody in my office that's offended by this, I guess I apologize, but it's funny. I mean, I'm not, like, saying people should be offended by it. I think it's mm. funny. I think it's funny, too. And literally, as soon as we ended that podcast, I literally went to my desk, Googled this shirt, and found a story that sold it and got it because I thought it was hilarious. How many episodes ago was that? Was that last week or the week before? Uh, a couple weeks ago. Okay. I think. So... Okay, let's move on. Um, do you remember WrestleMania 2? No. I was one year old. But you've seen it, though, right? You've yes. seen WrestleMania 2. Yes. And what they did, for anybody unfamiliar, uh, first and only time they did it, which was wise, they, uh, they did three venues in three different time zones. And the idea was, we'll start it on the East Coast. It in Long Island, New York. We'll have a few live matches. Then we're going to pull down a screen, and we're going to have close circuit from the next venue, which was Chicago. Then there they're going to do live matches. Then they're going to have a screen, and then we're going to do the next venue, which was L.A. Uh, and they did that one time, so they essentially sort of had three WrestleManias. The reason I'm bringing this up is because 2018, we got two WrestleManias, Sean. Yeah, like two. essentially. And when I look at this card, now, uh, I tuned in late to Raw on Monday. And when I tuned into Raw, Kurt Angle was, was uh, doing the segment with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and he was right in the middle of telling them, about, um, you know, Daniel Bryan's going to be in it and Chris Jericho's going to be in it. People that you don't like are going to be in it kind of thing. And when I first saw that segment tuning in when I did, I thought he was setting up a, a tag team match. I did like it, sounded, it sounded to me like he was setting up Sammy, uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn against Jericho, uh, Daniel Bryan, and Kurt Angle. That's how it sounded. I was really I actually, happy he didn't. Well, I thought he, I thought he did, though. And I, I turned to my wife and I said, man, on paper, this card's going to be better than WrestleMania. But then it turned out they're, they're all going to be in the in the Royal Rumble. But uh, you talked about... They just announced Mark Henry for that thing, too. Yeah, Mark Henry, Great Khali is official. Rey Mysterio. Sammy's, uh, Shane McMahon. <clears throat> Shane McMahon's a friggin' psychopath. Yeah. Guy. I, do, I do a stats piece on the Royal Rumble every year for... Uh, in preparation of the Royal Rumble. This is going to blow away a lot of the records because there are records like, I think, like 16... People who were former or eventual world champions in a, in the Royal Rumble, and this one's going to blow it away because I mean they just announced like three 
last night. They announced Kali, Mark Henry, and Rey Mysterio, and that's three former world champions. Kurt Although Angle. not, you know, the highest of profiles, but still. Yep. yep. Now, uh, they haven't said anything about stakes, correct? No, a trophy, I think. A trophy? Uh, that's what they have on the, the, the image. Are they, like, uh, refurbishing the vagina trophy from WrestleMania? Like, uh, Maybe. They... I mentioned that the winner will get a, a shout-out on the Fightful.com Greatest Royal Rumble Post Show Podcast on Friday. There you go. There you go. What was the Kuwaiti one again? Kuwaiti Cup? The Kuwaiti Cup. Uh, Ahmed Johnson won it in 96. Yeah, and so did Tiger Jeet Singh. Tiger, Tiger Ali Singh. Singh. Right, right. Okay, okay. Well, let's, let's look at this card. So you're pretty good at looking up contract information and stuff like that. Uh, is there any truth to the rumor that Brock Lesnar is getting 500 grand for this match? Maybe for this match, but yeah. not in general. I his his amount is a little bit different based on what he does, but his contract information is he's not telling anybody. Okay, so I don't think me, Paul Heyman knows. All right, somebody told me that he's getting a half a mil for this match, and uh, and I wanted to ask if you'd heard anything. So, do you think this is where he drops it and he's gone, or do you think that they got plans for him after this? I think it should be. I'm. I'm yeah. I was a big fan of Brock Lesnar. I another fightful select plug. I watched. I did his match with Funaki, a dark match, and just to see the way that he did things back then before he was on the main roster, he mm-hmm. cared more. The mm-hmm. F five looked better back then. It was. I miss that Brock Lesnar. Now I I know he's forty years old now. It's a lot easier. Forty one this year. Yeah. Forty one. Easier yeah. said than done. He ain't doing shooting star presses anymore. I hope not. Yeah. But. German suplex, elbows, F5, I'm ready to move on. See, I, I still, Brock Lesnar is still one of my favorite pro wrestlers, and he's one of my favorite of all time, only because he's so believable. And I'm a, I'm a big is... fan of the believability of, of a pro wrestler. Uh, and that's why I was never a huge fan of the X Division, for example, back in, the, back in their prime in the TNA days, because they were car crashes, right? And I, and I look at Brock Lesnar, and you believe him. If, if, if he's going to go in there and kick somebody's ass, you think he's, he can kick somebody's ass. So part of me will miss Brock, but at the same time, I agree with what you're saying. When he comes out, yeah, it, does some, it feels like he's going through the motions sometimes when he comes yeah, out. I'm just, I'm just ready. And the thing is, if he does hold on to the championship, it's not as bad as before because these pay-per-views are going to be co-branded now. They keep saying starting with Backlash, but really it's starting this Friday. WrestleMania even. There you go. Yeah, technically you're right. Uh, So technically since WrestleMania, but now you are going to have a world championship match on every pay-per-view, or you should. In fact, there are going to be matches like, you know, I was a little surprised that big cast Daniel Bryan got on Backlash because you've got a lot of titles. There's going to be some that that get left off. And uh, I I don't know. I'm surprised that Undertaker, Rusev, and John Cena, Triple H got on this show. Considering yeah, it's a lot of big matches, yeah. So I mean, I'm, I think that Roman need he needs to win. I do too. It's, it's not like you can say Roman should win. Roman needs to win because if he loses again and you want him to headline backlash against Samoa Joe, good luck. I, I, mean? I don't want to go on a big Roman Reigns needs to be heel spiel, but I don't know how you look at Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan and don't see that as a WrestleMania main event. Didn't uh, he challenge him? He did, right? Roman Reigns wants it. Yeah, I thought so, yeah. And if Roman Reigns wants it, you know that he knows. Right. There's no way that he wants that expecting to be a babyface in it. Just right. like Dave Batista was smart enough years ago to go to creative and say, I need to be a heel if this is going right. to continue. I saw Jericho's interview with Chris Van Vliet. 
Uh, and Jericho said something that I've been echoing for, for a long time, which is that a lot of fans are booing Roman because they think it's the cool thing to do, not because they necessarily hate him. And and I agree with something Jericho said. Jericho said, because uh, he was asked about turning Roman heel. And he said, yeah, but if you turn him heel, then the people that are booing him now, they're just going to start cheering him. Good. But who, but yeah, I say good too. I say I agree. I say good too. I, I, I would, would rather, because see, here's the thing. A lot of people are like, well, it worked with John Cena. Well, it kind of worked with John Cena. He became a giant star. He was hugely over, sold a bunch of merchandise, became a mega celebrity at this point. Yep. However... A lot of people often forget the quality of WWE's programming sometimes was drastically reduced because of their overwhelming desire to make John Cena super good guy and make whoever he faces super bad guy. They deviated from that here and there, but there were a lot of people that could have gotten way, way, way more over, and so could have John Cena. John Cena could have been even more over than than he was. I think that a decade of that was enough. And you don't need to go through another decade of that. I think I think the thing with Cena too is I think people started to begrudgingly respect him because yeah. you would see him do stuff away from wrestling because he's great in the mainstream media. You'd see him do stuff away from wrestling. You can't help but like John Cena. You can't. You know, when he does an interview, he's funny and he's got a sense of humor. He's charming, all that. My, I guess the thing with Roman Reigns is after he's put in enough tenure, are people going to begrudgingly respect him too? Because he's not going to be the same in the mainstream that Cena is. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious what's going to happen with that. But uh, I don't know. Anyway, so let's, let's go down the rest of the card. So AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura. Do you think Shinsuke gets the title here? I think he could. Man, this cock knocker gimmick he's got is working. What do you, think of, the, uh, what do you think of the new music? I like it. I like. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously to keep people from singing along to it. So good. Yes. Yeah. I yes. And and that's we were watching it uh, SmackDown this week. My wife and I, and neither one of us really care for it, but we understand it. Yeah. It makes sense with the heel turn and everything. Uh, Taker Rusev's got to be Taker, but I hope Rusev puts up a good fight. I like Jeff's idea that Lana is also going in the casket. It's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. We'll and see then they're both goes. buried. Right. That's interesting. Cena, Triple H, actually, either way. Actually, as uh, uh, Jeff, uh, hate to rain on your parade, I just remembered, that ain't happening. Lana can't be there. Mm. <laughs> Lana can't be there. That's right, she can't be there. What That's a bummer. Right. What yeah, a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Good Cena, idea. Cena, Triple though. H. Cena, Triple H. Cena. Yeah, and it could go either way, but I think both guys are at this point in their careers where they don't care about putting somebody over. Jeff this point, did bring so. up a point that didn't suck about this match, though. You could totally see Triple H getting that crowd just fired up and booing and in the mood to see a babyface win if he were to win instead. And then you go into like maybe a Reigns Lesnar or something or a Royal Rumble where Cena gets his heat back. Because if they haven't announced any stakes for the greatest Royal Rumble, I think it's just going to be whatever the biggest star in that match is. Hmm. Yeah, possible. Uh, Now, the IC title ladder match. There is a speculation that they're going to add Bobby Lashley to the match. It's already Rollins, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, and The Miz. And there's speculation they're going to add Bobby Lashley. I think regardless of who's in it, Rollins is going to retain, I think. I think that this and the U.S. title are really, really hard to tell, considering that they both have matches already set for Backlash, and it's against people on other brands. Right. I I think that this and Jeff Hardy versus Jinder Mahal is really tough to call, and... There's going to be a plethora of, I would, ima- I would imagine, title changes, mandatory rematches, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada. And those two are just real tough for me to call. But I'll go with 
I'll go with The Miz, and then I'll go with Jinder Mahal. Interesting. Interesting. Is Hardy and Jinder booked for Backlash too? Randy Orton's supposed to face the winner. Randy Orton's supposed to. Right, right. I think that Hardy's going to retain. I think Rollins is going to retain. Uh, Cruiserweight title, Cedric Alexander, Callisto. I think Cedric retains that too. Yep, same. And uh, Hardy, Bray Wyatt against Cesaro Sheamus. I think Hardy Wyatt win. The leader of worlds win that one for sure. Do you think that uh, the Miztourage, I like the story they're doing right now where they're looking for a new leader or a new employer almost. Bray Wyatt was teasing on Twitter about, you know, come to me kind of thing. Do you think that they might go that in that direction? Bray has wanted to work with Bo for a very, very, very long time. And I'm sure vice versa. I really like the idea that Alex had of them trying out for a different trio every single week until they find one that fits. Because why not? I mean, it would be... And then they eventually face the people that they're trying out for. And it's a harmless, fun way to kill 15 minutes on a three-hour show. I like it. I mean, in one show, they're wearing the shirt from two different guys. Yeah, yeah. Like, I liked it. I thought it was all right. When they went uh, for the fist bump, I I did lose it. I was like, oh, of course they would. And, and how offended Seth Rollins got when they mentioned the shield. He's like, easy. Easy. <laughs> like, Michael yeah, the actual... and that, that do you remember that promo with Kevin Lee? Where Kevin Lee was like, I heard your mom has tickets to the show. And Michael Chiesa goes, don't you ever fucking talk about it. <laughs> And they almost got to a fight on the stage. So I was like, hey. Hey. Now, the actual Royal Rumble, uh, I agree with you that it's probably going to be a known name given the market. So what do you consider to be the biggest name in that match that could benefit from that? You think Daniel Bryan because they might be able to get this? Daniel Bryan or John Cena, I would Is say. Cena in the match too? Is he actually in I'm the match? I'm sure. If he's there, he, he'll he be in the match, I'm sure. Do you think in order to get to the 50, everybody in singles matches or in other matches are going to be in the Rumble? Yes, except for The Undertaker. And, and if, if The Undertaker's in it, he probably wins it. Yeah, is Brock going to do it too? Doubt it. Yeah, I don't think so either. Come on so now. He'll be, they, they, he'll be on a plane. On a plane. Halfway exactly. across the Atlantic by then. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I think he will be. Now, there has been some controversy uh, over the fact that women can't participate on the show. And Triple H, I got to give that guy, I have so much respect for Triple H, man, and for, the, and for the things that he's taken on. He's been in Saudi Arabia all week. He even missed Bruno Sammartino's funeral because he's been in Saudi Arabia, Arabia all week and did local media, and he's basically taken every question that's being thrown at him. And so, of course, he was asked about the fact that uh, women aren't participating, and he tried to answer it to the best of his ability, different cultures, we have to respect them, blah, 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 blah. My question is, and I know Hunter can't say this, but my question is, how can anybody not agree with WWE as a corporate entertainment entity when someone's going to throw the mate figures where the money to do one show? I think if people are more worried about the fact that women can't compete on this show as opposed to the other social and political issues in that country in general, that's your problem? Right. Why not the other stuff, man? Like the single men tickets. Yeah, and gays have it real bad there. I mean, real bad there, man. It's tough. (laughs) Uh, There was this... Did you see the Reddit open letter that was posted and later deleted because it was accused of being propaganda? No. Okay, let me see if I can find it really, really quickly. Um, a person... do, you remember, do you remember when a gentleman uh, tweeted me 
and he was from the oh, yeah. Middle East. What was that about again? I can't remember what that was about. Well, I think you, it, sorry. I've, I've had a lot of that over the last several months. Yeah. But this person posted a thing on Reddit, and it says, quote, First of all, I want to let you know I'm not writing this to be hostile at all. I just want to clarify some things. I know some of you think that the greatest Royal Rumble is propaganda and is only being held in my country, Saudi Arabia, because the Saudi royal family wants to sell a, modern, sell a view of modernization in Saudi Arabia. However, the country is changing. The culture is changing a lot. And in the last two years, it's all because of our young prince who wants to give the wheel to a younger generation to shape our society the way they want, which I believe we've needed since forever. Two years ago, we had no form of public entertainment at all. We had no concerts, movie theaters, Comic-Con, entertainment events of any kind, no wrestling shows that are advertised publicly because our, of our country's reputation. Now we have all of those. Saudi Arabia consists of more than 30 million people. 70% are under the age of 30. You know what? I guarantee you, uh, most of those Saudis are more or less open-minded and want to be comp normal compared to the old generation. Regarding women's rights, you might not know, but Saudi Arabia is pushing for women's rights the last two years and has been supporting the role of women publicly. Uh, they went on to talk about some of the issues around um, that, that gays face, however. I'm paraphrasing, but it's up on yeah. my Twitter and since then, it has been flagged essentially as propaganda on Reddit Squared Circle. Why who? Because How? That's that's Reddit Squared Circle. But, I mean, uh, Saudi say. Arabia is a dictatorship, and I think yeah. I had people saying if they wanted to change it, they could immediately. And I was like, well, I think they were meaning more of the young people in Saudi Arabia wanted yeah. these changes than the people in charge themselves. This was a major investment by Saudi Arabia in an effort to get – entertainment in their country so let me ask you this question because this is the only question that i haven't uh heard an answer to although i can kind of come up with an answer why did they allow women to compete on the last wwe event there but not this one is it because it's televised when did when did that happen um uh, alexa bliss and sasha banks i don't think that was that wasn't in saudi arabia oh that wasn't saudi arabia no where was that i think that was uh, United Arab Emirates, maybe. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it was Saudi Arabia. All right. I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm. Also, I mean, I'm like, guys, when's the last time New Japan had any women wrestling for them? Mm. Go bitch at them. But that their country isn't they, – they don't even prohibit it. They yeah. just don't do it. Mm. Yeah, to me, again, it's a business decision, and any any CEO in a similar situation would take that deal. Oh, God, yeah. The there, amount there's a 0% chance. I that, can't that, 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 wait to hear their quarterly conference call. Yeah, it's, I want to know the number. I, I do, too. Know. Somebody's yeah. going to ask on yeah. that call. Yeah, yeah, I want to know. Damn it, we need to buy one share. I think I think it was uh, Brandon uh, Howard yeah. That was saying, let's buy one share. We'll go to the next thing because I think they're he's Buffalo. It's not that far. We yeah. should definitely like get one share and go. I sure. mean, we we own part of Aralucha, so why not? Yeah, exactly. We are. I forgot to put it on the intro, Sean. <laughs> we are minority investors in Aralucha, burning. And I haven't got my mask yet, Jason Brown. Where the hell's my mask and my T-shirt? I have to wear a. I'm loving it. Shirt instead, because I don't have my Aralucha one. So come on, bud. I think you made the right call for wardrobe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So, um, Ron SmackDown this week. Is it just me, Sean? Or should they have named these episodes the Let's Just Get Through the Greatest Royal Rumble and Then We'll Get Back to Work episodes? Yeah, I mentioned this on the SmackDown show. SmackDown is in a weird position because they had 
Go Home Show before WrestleMania, mm-hmm. SmackDown after WrestleMania, Superstar Shake-Up, Go Home Show before Greatest Royal Rumble, mm-hmm. Go Home Show before uh, Backlash. Backlash. Really, w- Raw has that, that issue too, so a lot of the programming is in a holding pattern, essentially, and we won't get to see that real reset on those shows until after Backlash. I think back to the movie The Wrestler with, uh, I forget his name. Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke, yeah. And they were showing a scene from an independent show when guys were working out their matches. And one guy said to his opponent something about how I'm going to work the leg. And then he heard somebody else say, I'm going to work the leg, like in their match, right? And he was, oh, you're working the leg? Oh, okay, well, then I'll do something different, right? Because that was always the mentality, right? Yeah. Uh, On Raw... We had, and I know this has nothing to do with the finish, but still, Raw, you referred to as WWE Tag League because there were seven matches on the, on the show, and five of those seven were tag team matches. All of them meant nothing, right? No stakes meant nothing. Then on SmackDown, there were three schoolboy distraction finishes in a row. Three schoolboy distraction finishes in a row. How does that get by? How does well, that because they get by? they run their shows after school hours, so the schoolboys are able to distract people and finish. We <laughs> start. Hey, that won't happen at Greatest Royal Rumble. It's happening at noon. There you go. Wow. There you go. Join yeah. us for live coverage and discussion. No schoolboy finishes. Noon on that Eastern, day. not noon local. Noon Eastern. Well. Come on. They can't, the schoolboys will not be in school, Sean. They're not going to miss school for this. Not American schoolboys. They're not going to pull them out of school. I'm sure there's something against I'm that. actually taking Friday off. Are you? I'm taking Friday off because I never get the opportunity to see a show in full ever. Yeah. And because my daughter's in school, I'll actually have a chance to actually see a awesome. show live. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the day off, yeah. You do the post show with me if you want. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I know there was one time, I think, I think you posted on uh, social media and you said, hey, who wants to do the Ring of Honor show with me? And somebody responded and said, Jimmy Van, and you said, I don't think that's his cup of tea. Yeah. I said, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that'd be a good one. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So uh, let's move on and talk about, uh, actually, a couple more things about Raw. I, I mean, really, really, we should segue into my interview segment. Oh, it's time already? That right, go exists. Ahead. Do your thing. I do spoke thing. to Gangrel. You all heard a brief snippet of this during WrestleMania week, but I spoke to Gangrel at length about his enhancement work in WWE. Uh, he did a lot of stuff with them well before that you all probably didn't even know, like 10 years before his run as Gangrel. Take a listen. I think it sets a pretty good example that so deep into your career, you're wrestling so often. I mean, if, if that's not a ringing endorsement for how to do it, how to do it safely, <laughs> and to be out there every single weekend, it seems like, my God. Yeah, it's all about those little things, the bumps and your form, you know. you If you do that right, you could do it 30 years later like I am and still be talking smack, you know. I, I like, Oh, um, literally 30 I, years later. A lot of people don't realize this. You were on an episode of Wrestling Challenge against Big Boss Man in 1988. Yeah. yeah. What was yeah, that, what was that experience like? Because I would imagine you were fairly new then. Well, you know, then, you know, as I got handcuffed to the pole, Big Boss Man beat me with a nightstick, and I thought – is this like the lowest point of my life or is this the highest point? Because it was <laughs> WWF, you know. So I had a lot of mixed emotions. And then I remember um, Slick pulling me to the side. And uh, the big Boston's manager at the time, Slick, there. there and uh, Slick said, hey, kid, I don't know what it is. He says, there's some magic in here, man. He says, I see something. He says, 
I know that you're going to be wrestling 20, 30 years from now, and you're going to be doing just fine. He said, whatever you just, – just don't quit this and stick with it. There's something in you. And, like, and I don't know if it's those words that he told me that kept driving me or, or he saw something I didn't see or feel I had. But, but it's 30 years later, and I'm ver- still very blessed to be doing what I'm doing. <laughs> and maybe kind of in a, in a twist of irony, 10 years later you're there and Boss Man's there too. And, yeah, and wrestled him many a times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and tagged with him, you know, off and on, yeah. And in doing my research for this, I realized that just a couple months later, you're on TV again, and it's against Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> it's All like, right, yeah. It's like, could yeah, it could it have um, gotten any more violent <laughs> at that point? Right, you know, and I was pulling a fast one all of them back then because there was no, no social media or, or, or anything like internet to stew jobs. So I was, like, working for, like, WWF, Georgia Championship Wrestling, Florida Championship Wrestling. Um, had already been to, uh, then I went to Calgary, went for Calgary. Then I came back and was still doing those TVs and I was going to Japan under a mask. So I worked more back then, <laughs> just breaking into the job. You know, I worked way more than I, you know, did later on at, at these, these times here. But, uh, yeah, it was awesome. But like, there was no sheet. There was only uh, Dave Meltzer sheet that would, you could even figure out where everybody was working at. You know what I mean? And we're back. I have the full Gangrel interview up on our YouTube. You can see articles from it over at Fightful.com. If you all haven't checked out our exclusive section on Fightful MMA or FightfulWrestling.com, go do that. Just tons of extra stuff there. Good stuff out of Gangrel. I I said that (laughs) it shatters almost my childhood illusion of wrestling when you're setting up an interview with the vampire Gangrel, and he replies with LMAO. I was like, ah! It shattered. That's gone. I watched him drink blood when I was twelve years uh-huh. old. I think the teeth he really got put in though, didn't he? he did yeah. Okay, so he did, and then he had to have them taken out because WWE oh. asked him to. Then they said, "Oh, hey, how about those teeth? Can you get those back?" What? Yeah. And so he had he... to go back for dental surgery and get them put back in again. Yep. Oh God. Uh, whatever. I want to ask you a couple more things about Raw. Uh, and, a, and a general thing about talent in WWE, but Raw first. Um, Bobby Roode's first singles match on the Raw brand loses clean to Elias. Now, I know Elias is somebody that they're strong about, and I, I really like Elias, and I see a lot of potential in Elias, but I don't think it's a good look for Bobby Roode. His first singles match, he loses clean. Do you think they're already uh, done with him at the top of the card? Yeah, unless they go heel or something. Yeah, unless they go heel, yeah. Uh, now, the other thing I want to ask you is, do you remember... I think it was mid to late 90s, mid 90s, when WWE had this sudden influx of talent. Guys like T.L. Hopper, The Goon, uh-huh. Who, which was Jim the Evil 900 under a mask. These guys all came in quickly together, like this influx of talent. Now, granted, they were lower card guys, so this is not going to be an, uh, an apples to apples conversation, but they all came in with no program, right? They just threw them on TV, put them in matches, had no program. All came in around the same same period of time. The reason I'm bringing this up is um, not only did we just have the superstar shakeup and a bunch of call ups and stuff like that, we had new guys come in uh, like Bobby Lashley who returned and and uh, what's his name Shelton Benjamin yeah. um, split from from Chad Gable. I find these guys maybe because there's so many guys that came in all at once and so many guys that switch brands. I find these guys are just kind of floating around with no program and. Bobby Lashley was in the tag match with Braun Strowman on Raw, and I just watched that thinking, there's I think no that's, plan for him. I think that's going to be the case until after Backlash. Like I said, I think they're in a holding pattern. They had this this 
they had the night after where they had to do all the debuts and tie yep. up loose ends. Then they had the shakeup. Then it's go home show, go home show. And then I think right after Backlash, we're going to see some programs start. Some programs. I could be wrong, but that's what I think. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, Ronda Rousey. So they had already announced that she's going to be working a few shows on the European tour next month. It was just announced that her opponent is going to be Mickey James, uh, at the very least on the May 19th show in Paris, which I think is a good choice. Mickey James is a veteran. She can carry Ronda through. It's probably going to be a short match anyway. Um, they're still advertising Samoa Joe for that, even though it's a Rob Rand show, and he's now a SmackDown guy. So we'll see what happens. You know, I was telling you that there might, I suspect there's going to be some crossover, and uh, that, that might hold true. Uh, they're also advertising Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin. Do you think that might be a direction they're going to go in, Braun and Baron? Yeah, probably, uh, which I had people still trying to tell me, oh, Baron Corbin's going to switch back somehow because they were advertising him for a WWE title match in July. And I was like, no, he's not He's not that important. I don't care uh-huh. what Vince McMahon thinks of him. They're, they're not really – they're not going to switch him back and forth, back and forth. I don't what? think we'll see as – I think we'll see more crossover than we have prior, but I don't think it will be as much as, as you think it will be. Back to Ronda. What do you think of their usage of her since Mania? Her helping up Natalia was really weird looking, but an execution from what she's done, from taking a drop kick, throwing a hip throw, and arm barring a woman, that all looked real good. I think that all looked good too, but I think creatively. So on Raw this past Monday, we already know that the worst ratings hour for WWE today for Raw is the third hour. Right, mm-hmm. And it has been for a while because the audience burns out by the end of the second hour. And that's been the case. And that's one of the reasons why they'll, they'll put matches that aren't really main event matches into the main event slot. is because they know they have a lesser audience at that time. right? So they put the, the women's tag match in the main event spot on Raw. Ronda Rousey does a run-in. I don't, I don't recall her being announced for the show. I don't remember hearing that Ronda Rousey was there. Does a run-in to help Natalia. Does a judo throw on Mickey James. I watched that whole thing and I thought to myself... You've got this generational talent, right? Almost like a female Brock Lesnar on your roster. You're bringing her in every week almost like you feel like you have to. You're putting her unannounced in a main event slot when you know you have less people watching so that she can help Natalia, who the crowd is not emotionally invested in because she was a heel on SmackDown. So people don't give a shit that Ronda Rousey is helping Natalia, right? No. I'm watching that, and and you know what I think? I think that WWE knew what they wanted to do at WrestleMania with Ronda Rousey, and I don't think they thought anything about post-mania. Yeah. I think think they thought we want her for the tag match, and she's going to get the armbar on Stephanie, and I think that's where they were thinking, and as soon as that was in the can, then they're like, crap, now what? Well, I think they want her to work with Natalya and Mickie James because they're veterans. That's fine. That's fine, but no one gives a shit when she runs in to help Natalya. Nobody does. You know what I mean? No one's I mean, yeah, but I mean, they, they still got to get her used to things. She's got to learn on the fly. That's that's what it is. And if you put her in there immediately against a, a Sasha Banks or a Bailey, well, they're both baby faces right now. They have something going on. She's yeah. not going to learn anything working with Nia Jax. No, I know. I, I just wonder if they, there's a different way they could do it. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure there know. is, but I, th- I think right now uh, that would be a good one. I also see her working with Alicia Fox down the line, playing off the, the Travis Brown deal at WrestleMania weekend. That'd be great because if that should bring her back. Yeah. Alicia Fox is sneakily a veteran. She's been there for a decade. Right, right. Yeah, she was one of the few catalog models that actually cared about the business. Yeah, ended up uh, working out very well for them. It's been around forever, but yep. 
Yeah, I think that's the main thing. They want her to, to learn to work matches with people who uh, who know that style. And even though she can obviously work that MMA style very effectively, as we've seen by every throw, every throw that she's done looks pretty good in my estimation because she knows how to she really how do, to do them. <laughs> There's yeah. no way if it looks bad, she'll make sure that it looks good. It's true. It's true, yep. Did you hear about what superstar Billy Graham had to say? Yeah, that old decrepit fuck. <laughs> it so, must be terrible to be that bitter. That old leathery son of a bitch. Okay, easy. <laughs> easy a little bit. I have a personal story with superstar Billy Graham. and, oh, I, and do I'll, you? Yeah, and I'll tell you in a minute. Did um, you use his skin to create a jacket? <laughs> Are you trying to just piss off everybody, Sean? I don't think anybody is going to be that mad that I'm calling Billy Graham just a dusty old turd. So, anybody that didn't hear, on Superstar Billy Graham's Facebook page, he wrote about Ronda Rousey's WrestleMania match. And he was very negative about it. He called her Ronda Lousy. He said she was a jobber. Uh, he said the idea of her tapping out Triple H to the armbar was nauseating. Um, now, clearly, he's bitter about the business. It's, it's obvious, right? Uh, he made amends with the company back in the day. I think it was, like, what, 2004 or something, and they put him in the Hall of Fame, and they did a documentary about him and stuff like that. Then, um, after that, he soured again because they didn't renew his Legends contract. Because usually, with, with Superstar Billy Graham, with all due respect to him, it's usually financially driven. Whether he's with them or not, because he's had a, a tough time, right? With the hip replacements, and he almost died because of, I think it was a liver. He had a liver issue, issue in 2014. Right, right. Well, before that, he had because he got a transplant in uh, yeah. like the early 2000s or something. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he had like double pneumonia at one point, I remember, and right. they right. thought he had heart failure. And I know that his his replacement hip now that he has his artificial hip, I think it has to be replaced again. Uh, and he doesn't have the money for it, and he's been going through a hard time, but. Anyway, so when they didn't renew his Legends contract, he soured again. He sold his Hall of Fame ring. Then, you remember the Abdullah the Butcher thing with Devin Nicholson? I do. And Abdullah gave Devin Nicholson hepatitis C in a cage match. And when that happened, then superstar Billy Graham said, I want to be pulled from the Hall of Fame so long as Abdullah the Butcher's name is in it. I want to be pulled from it. So he's been very, very bitter. But I do want to tell you about a personal story that I have with superstar Billy Graham. Way back when he was writing his memoir... And this is before he got reconnected with WWE in 2004. So this would have been late 90s, maybe 2001-ish, somewhere like that. He had forgotten a lot of his career, right? He forgot about parts of Florida and he forgot about parts of whatever. Do you remember Georgie Macropolis? No. So Georgie Macropolis, if you ask Bill Apter, he would speak highly of her. She was a longtime wrestling fan. She was, uh, I think she, she managed Bruno Sammartino's uh, fan club. Because she was an older lady, right? And she did stuff for OneWrestling.com or whatever. And she posted way back on like OneWrestling.com, Superstar Billy Graham is asking for help. He's asking if anybody has any clippings from parts of his career, blah, 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 because he's writing his memoir. I used to have a massive uh, wrestling magazine collection. And I had a bunch of magazines from the early to mid-80s when he had a run in Florida and, and different things in the AWA and whatnot. And I sent them to him because what was I going to use them for? They weren't worth anything. Exactly. I, I sent them to him, and he penned me a letter back. And he wrote me a letter and sent it to me. And his wife, who was really sweet, she wrote me a bunch of stuff. Did they call uh, you a jobber? 
Didn't happen. No. Didn't call me a job or didn't call me Jimmy Lousy or, or, or <laughs> Jimmy Scam or anything like that. But anyway, my experience with him was good. He, he was very appreciative and very nice. And his wife, uh, I forget her name, Valerie, I think, was really nice. Uh, I respect what he did in the business. He was a revolutionary performer, right? And a lot of guys, whether it be Jesse Ventura, Hulk Hogan, Scott Steiner, ripped uh, Superstar Billy Graham in order to create their own characters. And I think they've even acknowledged it. That, yeah. they, that they copied Superstar Billy Graham. Heavily so influential. I, oh, heavily, massively. So I, I have a lot of respect for what he did, and I understand the hard time that he had, uh, and that's probably led to the bitterness that he has now. But obviously the things he said about Ronda Rousey at Mania, are they couldn't be further from the truth. But I short wanted to bring of, it up. Short of D'Angelo Williams last year, I think at Impact Slammiversary, I don't know that I've seen a better first match out of somebody than what Ronda Rousey had. It was great. I've seen the match now like three times. It's, because it, it was, was such it was a that great good. match. Yes, it was. It was, yes, it was perfect. And she was in there doing a lot of that stuff with a non wrestler. Yep, it's true. It was really good. Her timing was great. Breaking up a breaking up a pin. Remember when Stephanie pulled her off the apron, mm-hmm. grabbed her leg, and she hit the apron on the way. I mean, that looked really great. good. Yeah, Ronda Ronda did a great job. But I wanted to mention the superstar thing because I just wanted to tell you my personal story and how he was cool to me. And he's had a hard time. Oh, sure. I mean. I don't want the guy to suffer or anything. You just said, do you wear his skin as a leather jacket? <laughs> I don't want him to suffer. Wouldn't uh, he suffer if I'm wearing his skin as a leather jacket? Maybe he's got excess. Let's go to stupid people. We talk a lot about foreskin on this show. All right. This is a stupid song, it just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. So Sean basically just said that I should wear a, a jacket made out of Superstar Billy Graham's foreskin. Is what he just say said. Anything of the sort. Disgusting. That's what you said. Go back and, and watch it, Nigel. That's what he said. All right. Uh, TrevorStrong.org, thanks for the usage of the stupid song. And once again, anybody that's in our, uh, that's a member of Fightful Select, uh, go to FightfulSelect.com after this for Stupid People Extended, where I will have more glorious stories that I found. Now, can you believe, Sean, I have like eight this week. God. Because there are so many, so many stupid people in this universe that I have eight. Uh, or maybe I have seven. I don't know. Nigel brought me one after I'd already got it done, and it was good enough that I put it in. One of our listeners, um, I apologize, I forget his name because I, I just saw it really quickly. He sent me like three on Twitter, and I haven't been able to do my due diligence yet and see if they're real or not. And if they are, I'll, I'll throw them in next week. But uh, there are stupid people just infinitely, Sean, doing yes. stupid things. So this first one, I'm going to consider an honorable mention. And you can give me your thoughts if you think it's just flagrant stupidity or not. But I'm going to give it an honorable mention. And the reason I'm going to give it an honorable mention is that it happened during an emergency on a flight. Okay. And I'd like to, I'd like to think that in that situation, maybe you're not thinking as clearly as you would otherwise. Yeah. So I'll give them an honorable mention and not say it's fl- just flat-out stupidity for that reason only. But it was reported by the Associated Press on April 19th. A Southwest Airlines flight had an emergency when it lost cabin pressure. And so because it lost cabin pressure, the oxygen masks dropped from the ceiling. And everybody was told, you know, put it on in order to get proper oxygen. Now, just put up that photo. I know it'll take a minute for, uh, for Sean to see this. So That's how many times, Sean, have we seen the demonstrations on an airplane? How many times have Every the flight time. attendants did it, right? Or you've seen the videos, and they've shown you how, how to put the thing on. I've seen it a thousand times, and yet everybody in this photo 
is doing it completely incorrectly. They put it basically on their chin, Sean. Uh-huh. They were wearing the air mask on their chin uh, and had their nose completely exposed. And Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, they were basically all in that situation. If things had gotten worse, they would have all died because they wouldn't have gotten proper oxygen. And I saw that photo and thought, okay, they all look stupid. But <laughs> but because of the situation, I'm just going to call it an honorable mention and not fly to say they're idiots. But Like you learn in MMA, breathe in your nose, out of your mouth. <clears throat> there you go. There you go. This, uh, I guess, first one, if you want to call it that. Nigel's got a photo to go with this one. This is the uh, the one you gave me, Nigel. Okay, cool. It was reported by the Brownsville Herald out of Brownsville, Texas, on April 20th. I wonder if Sean's heard this one or heard about the sentence. So a 53-year-old man named Gilberto Escamilla, he worked at a juvenile detention facility. It was actually kind of smart what he did, to a degree. Over the course of eight years, Sean, he kept on ordering large amounts of fajitas. And he would get the large, and when I say large amounts, I'm talking hundreds of pounds, right? And he would get them delivered to the jail that he worked at. Then what he was doing is he had his own client list. I mean, maybe they were restaurants, whatever they were. He was using public funds to pay for the fajitas. So he was using like the jail money to pay for the fajitas. Then he was taking them and reselling them to his own clients, right? Did that for eight years. What happened one day, and I can't believe that he would be so, make such a mistake, uh, he decided to take a day off on a delivery day. Oh. So he took a day off, and a truck showed up with 800 pounds of fajitas. Here was the problem, Sean. That jail never served fajitas. So when somebody shows up with an order of 800 pounds of fajitas for this guy... 800 fajitas or 800 pounds? 800 pounds. Pound oh, I don't know. 800 pounds. So they knew something was up, and he got uh, he got arrested... He pleaded guilty to one count of theft by a public servant. And here's the kicker, Sean. What, time, what kind of prison sentence do you think he got? 50 years based on the picture that was just posted. <laughs> I chose my moment. I, I didn't choose it right. Yeah, you know, he got so, 50 years. He got 50 years. 50 years. Do you remember in Half-Baked when Dave Chappelle is visiting or he's hanging out with that girl and he's like, 
Five years for weed? That's how much years for fajita meat 50 I, years for fajitas i love fajita meat fajitas are great they're not worth 50 years 50 I'm years man now, first off okay now he, you said he has customers that are buying these yeah are we talking businesses they never said but i i'm guessing because of the amount probably yeah, yeah i mean you would think that he's a fajita wholesaler <laughs> Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. He's yeah. not running like a fajita consignment shop. Or yeah, anything. probably not. No, no. Oh, man, that's a tough one. 50 years, 50 man. Years. Texas yep. don't mess around, do they? Yep, no. Nope. Man, that was probably in San Antonio. Uh, Brownsville. I guess that's uh, southern Texas, I think they said. Let's see how far it is. That's got to be near El Paso, because I know El Paso is real south. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's four hours away from San Antonio. Oh, it's right on the border. Yeah? Right on the border. Oh, that's why he's selling fajitas. <laughs> next second, please. This next one was reported everywhere, so you might have heard this one. Uh, not one news outlet. I, I read this all over the place. Did you hear about this one? There were two girls from Quebec that were arrested for smuggling drugs into Australia. Did you hear about this one? I didn't. Okay, so this is, uh, this is indicative of our society today, Sean. This one. So two girls, one was 24, one was 29. They were promised a seven-week cruise to yeah. different locations around the world. Uh, and the final destination was Sydney, Australia. And they agreed going in that when they get to Sydney, they're going to have 210 pounds of cocaine in their luggage. Wow. And they're going to smuggle it into Australia. Uh, the drugs were found in their bags on the cruise. Yeah. The 29-year-old the was sentenced in November to seven and a half years already the 24 year old was just sentenced to eight years when she went before the court and the judge said to her why did you do it what do you think her answer was oh my god cocaine's a hell of a drug she did it because she wanted the opportunity to take selfies in different in different places on the cruise because she wanted to post them on instagram and get likes followers and whatever the hell she get views Oh, that's why she did it. She didn't do it because, oh, I, I fell in love with a guy and he asked me to do it for him. Or she didn't do it because, well, it was a good opportunity to make like a, a lot of money. No, she did it for Instagram celebrity. There was an episode of Atlanta where a woman only wanted to go to Drake's New Year's party to get a picture with him for Instagram likes. There you go. And then when she got there, a bunch of other girls were taking pictures of a cardboard cutout with him and he wasn't even at the party just so they could get Instagram likes. What the hell is going on, Nigel? I've never yeah, got it. It's... I've never understood wanting an autograph, wanting a picture. Uh, more power to those of you who do, but it's just never been my thing. Like People, and, and it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. People, they look at like a Kylie Jenner, because Ky Kylie Jenner is an idiot that can't even add two plus two, but she's <laughs> wealthy because she's had a lot of work done and knows how to use makeup and has a famous family and post stuff on, on Instagram, and they want that life. Like, these 24-year-old girls want that life. And, my God, man. When I heard that this girl was contributed to smuggling 210 pounds of Coke because she wanted to get Instagram followers. I'm not, sh <sighs> I'm not shocked. Yeah, people, it's people unfortunate. People pay money for Instagram followers. Yeah, yeah. That's not, I don't think she's it's thinking weird. that for her head. But, yeah. All right, this last one is for the Sean Ross file, man. Now, usually we talk about penises and poop. Uh, this, Switching it up, I, I guess. It can kind of relate to, to penises if you think 
you know enough about it and kind of relate. This was reported by the Daily Mail on April 17th. And this one, Sean, this one would embarrass Kamala. Oh. This one. It would embarrass the Ugandan giant Kamala. So the president of Uganda, his name, and I might be mispronouncing it, is Yowiri Museveni. Yeah, you're definitely mispronouncing yeah, that. Yeah, probably, probably. Uh, and I bet you Nigel knows who he is because Nigel knows all about this kind of shit. So he probably <laughs> knows. In 2014... This guy, the president of Uganda, signed the Anti-Homosexuality Act that makes it illegal to be gay in Uganda. All right? This time around, and this just came out, and I actually saw the video clip to make sure it was legit, he's targeting oral sex. He wants to ban it, and he hasn't signed anything official yet, but he issued a public warning. And with the public warning, he said, and these are direct quotes, the mouth is for eating. Although it could be argued oral sex, uh, we'll just keep going. And he said, and this is a quote, you push your mouth there, you can come back with worms and they enter your stomach because that is a wrong address. It's 2018. That is a wrong address. It's a wrong address. You got people pushing this, saying they don't poop, all kinds of weird shit in 2018. We got the internet now. We know better. Surely there's internet in Uganda. Was sure. it uh, was it Sarah Marshall when the guy said, "Why would you put a playground next to a sewer system?" I literally posted <laughs> that clip on Facebook. Oh, did you? Today oh, really? Uh, a comment today. I did. Yeah. Well, there you go. I didn't, and I didn't know that. Ow. So there you go. All right, that's it for stupid people. Let's see if we can somehow get back into wrestling news after that one. Real quick, oh, yeah. I want to shout out one of our writers, Aaron Hyden. Follow him at Hustle the Savage this week. He's doing some NFL draft coverage. That's where I always go, at least until Locker Feed launches, Jimmy. Don't get me started on Locker Feed, man. Don't get me started. <laughs> so, uh, Backlash. Like you said, it's supposed to be the first dual-branded show, but there's been like several dual-branded shows this year. You can include the Rumble, too. Um, but they, they're calling it the first dual-branded show since the announcement of no more single-branded shows. And so far, they've announced, we talked about it already, Roman Reigns and Smojo, Seth Rollins and The Miz, Carmella versus Charlotte, Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss, and this one I'm curious how you think this is going to go. Daniel Bryan and Big Cass. You mentioned last week on this podcast that they had somehow taken a guy who everybody was excited to see return after three years, and they'd already turned him into just another guy. Mm-hmm. Do you think Daniel Bryan's putting over Big Cass? I think it's a real possibility that they really? are doing the old Zack Ryder thing. Oh, this guy's got a lot of heat and popularity. Right. Let's use him to get somebody else over. Do you think that the company has gotten wind somehow that Daniel Bryan is not going to renew his contract? I don't think. I think he's renewing. I think he's he wants renewing? To, I, yeah, I think he wants to stay with WWE. Okay, because to me, logic would dictate that, especially when he's got other income like Total Bellas and stuff, right? So logic mm-hmm. would dictate that. But when you see a guy who, again, three years away, clearly there was interest in his return, clearly. Uh, and I feel like uh, they've been dropping the ball with him ever since. So I'm curious what's going to happen. You could chalk it up to that he's got ring rust because he has not won a singles match yet since he's came back. I don't well, they haven't, they haven't. They haven't said that, though. No, they haven't. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. I mean, as of right now, his last singles match was still that that – came to a conclusion was him getting beat by Sheamus in March of right. 2015. Right. So you could chalk that up and I would do that. I think that's a great way to make him even more sympathetic 
is have Big Cass beat him and say, maybe you should have just stayed retired. If you're going to do it, I think this is the time to do it. Also, that kind of gives Miz the mm-hmm. edge to gain more confidence against Daniel Bryan because maybe Miz believes that he's washed up. I think there's there's a way you can tell that story. It's just a matter of if, of if they're lazy or not and want to tell a story or right. if they just want to get a guy over right. or try to get a guy over just because they want to. Right, yeah. So you've mentioned this now three or four times, uh, uh, Impact Redemption. It was good, I hear. It, it was very good. I yeah. really enjoyed it. There wasn't any... There weren't any bad matches. Our podcast exceeded expectations. We did a simulcast with Adam Martin of WrestleView.com. That was a lot of fun. How'd that go? I didn't ask you about that. It was was cool. He was able to use his Wirecast-type software while I was able to run Google Hangouts, and he just captured what was on our Google Hangouts window, and it ended up working great. But, yeah, the Impact Redemption show was really good. Scott Steiner did good. He did a top-rope Frankensteiner. Really? How'd it look? It looked pretty good. I uh, didn't agree with DJZ doing one in the next match right after that. that oh, really? An agent should have said something about that. Brian oh, yeah. Cage looked good. There were, there were a few slips and botches here and there, but this was very much like an X-Division-style pay-per-view. Everybody on their roster does that. How was Pentagon o- received? Very well. Yeah. Very, very well. He did great. The OVE versus Edwards Moose and Dreamer match was awesome. All six people, and I was not a fan of OVE leading into this, all six men told an awesome story, and then Eddie Edwards' wife coming in and trying to stop him from the beatdown, but getting accidentally hit, played it perfectly. Moose got mad at me because I said he doesn't have as much buzz as when he was in Ring of Honor with Stokely Hathaway. How do you know he got mad at you? He told me. He He did? He tweeted it, yeah. I missed all that, really. Somebody, and people were kind of giving him crap. They're like, how do you vanity search yourself if your name is Moose? And I was like, come on. He was vanity searching Stokely Hathaway because he misses Stokely Hathaway being his manager. Uh, and a lot of people took that as me saying I didn't like Moose's work, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. I think Moose is incredible as an in-ring talent. I thought he would be in WWE right now. But when he was in Ring of Honor, he had that buzz as people being like, oh, he's going to be a big star. That's right. more on impact and their lack of buzz during that period. I think that during his time in impact – He's had some really great creative, including with Cody Rhodes. Right. He's had some good matches. Uh, they, I think they, I think he did the thing with D'Angelo Williams. There has been a lot of great stuff he's done in Impact. I think it's on Impact and that previous regime mm-hmm. of why they re- weren't able to capitalize on a talent like Moose because they wanted him for a reason, and Ring of Honor had big plans for him until they got the idea that maybe he wasn't going to stick around, then he started to lose, but... Mm-hmm. And I had some people say, oh, he can only be carried to four-star matches. And I was like, there's a good market in six-foot-five guys who can be carried to good matches. And he is an exceptional talent in the ring. But also, you know, a, lot of, a lot of guys over the years, have, have they've had to make a choice. Yeah. Either you go to WWE where they're going to make you start developmental, mm-hmm. or you go to a place like Impact where you're, quote-unquote, on the main roster. And, and he's making make six- He's, he's making six figures, as he told me, and I was like, and he said, told, told me of all the places he's traveled, and I was like, well, hey, I didn't say anything about your bank account or your passport. Yep, I was talking yep. about Impact's failure to capitalize on talents like him and Eli Drake. Those yep. are special talents in my estimation. You know what I would like to know is when you look at a Samoa Joe, and, and, and not to say that Samoa Joe would have necessarily had an opportunity in WWE 10 years ago, because back then they looked at guys differently, but he chose to go to Impact. Yes. Punk chose to go to WWE. 
Daniel Bryan chose to go to WWE, although he's you know his was kind of hit or miss, but he did. AJ Styles chose to go to Impact. All of these guys made a choice, developmental in WWE or Impact. AJ Styles, I think it could be argued, it worked out well for him. But I'd like to ask Samoa Joe, if you could do it again, again, not to say that he had an opportunity to go to WWE because maybe he didn't. If you could do it again, would you have taken that developmental contract knowing what happened with Punk, knowing the money Styles is making now on the main roster? You know what I mean? I'd be curious to know if some guys, if they could do it over again. And Moose is another one. Moose had that opportunity to go to developmental, and he chose to go to Impact instead. I, I think they wanted him as a ringer for Tough Enough. I could be misremembering, but okay. I know there was interest on WWE's behalf. But There was, for sure. But yeah. look at the schedule he's working right now. He's getting paid six figures. He doesn't have to work as much as if he were in WWE. And this is a guy who spent time in the NFL that can't feel good on his body uh, to have been through all that. I look also, at it like this. I mean, you're, you're right. You're right. But did you see the Forbes list from 2017? I didn't. So Forbes released uh, uh, the, the top paid wrestlers in WWE last year. And I don't know how they get their numbers. And I don't know if the numbers are accurate. Maybe they, maybe WWE somehow has to release them because they're public. I don't know. But they released it. Styles made like $3.5 last year, according to that Forbes article. According to them. But Forbes yeah. is the most reliable wrestling source. In fact, they're... They're on our blacklist, essentially, of don't cite their stuff. Oh, is so, that right? Oh, yeah. That, but I think they, I don't think it was part of Forbes Wrestling. I think it was part of, you know, the Forbes list that they do. Yeah, well, I think if they had any better sources, their their wrestling reporting would be better as well. But, I mean, like mm-hmm. I said, Moose spent six years as, a, as, a, as an NFL player and then yeah. immediately went into wrestling. So he's making that money. And if he's – I think his contract, I think it's up in 2020 – Mm-hmm. And they're moving away from keeping people under contract. Mm-hmm. They're they're going to just signing people. In 2020, he'll be about 20 or 36 years old, and yeah. that that doesn't matter to WWE anymore. They signed Shayna Baszler. She's yeah. she's their NXT champion. He, he can still end up there, but yeah, that yeah, wasn't we'll that see. wasn't a shot at Moose. It was a shot at Impact's previous regime because the current one's doing good things. The the television viewership reflects that. So, Nigel, what do you think of Rebel Nightclub here in Toronto? Rebel Nightclub? Yeah. Never been. Okay, Nigel wasn't Shocked. the right guy to ask. Wasn't the right guy to ask. Yeah, I'm not much of a club guy. I'm not either, but I'm, 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 I'm aware of it. So, Rebel is a nightclub in downtown Toronto. It's, uh, I think uh, Lindsay, one of the girls that works here, said uh, all the kids like it, she said. <laughs> all the kids uh, like it. And it's like so a Vitura. really... Oh, she said that too? Okay. It's, no, it's no, a... I was just... No, I just said... I assumed Vitura was a kid. Uh, uh, she is, but I don't know if she's into clubs or not. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, it's a club right on the waterfront here in downtown Toronto. They've got a big venue there. They do concerts and stuff like that, too, sometimes. I think they do a, a weekly nightclub event where they have, you know, a, a stage show and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Impact announced a Slammiversary on July 22 is going to take place. I loved how they called it the Rebel Entertainment Complex. Yeah. Because when I heard that news, and I think you asked us uh, on our Skype group about, uh, what do you guys know about the Rebel Entertainment Complex? And I was kind of chuckling because I was like, you mean Rebel Nightclub? Because that's yeah. what it is. Uh, however, uh, it's a decent size. The the main room, which I assume is the one that Impact's going to be using, it's 9,000 square feet. That's a decent size. Yes, it is. Uh, they can do about 800 people for theater-style seating. So it's it's that's about an impact size show. And uh, so that's what they're going to be doing. And it's, it's uh, Like I said, it's on the waterfront. It's not far from, um, um, from the airport that we have downtown. So that's where they're going to be doing it, man. So the 
kind of to circle back to Moose, he did an interview with Chris Van Vliet, who we uh, we really like Chris's work, said that he thinks this week is the last week of the year that they'll be in Orlando. So that seems to indicate that they will be doing Canada moving forward. They right. tried it initially. I think they jumped in a little too early and didn't didn't know what they were doing, and you ripped them a new one for it. And, yep. Ottawa and, was a terrible choice. It was a horrible, horrible decision. Now, it was, if I remember right, pre-Callis Demore, was it not? I think it was right around the time they started. I'd like to think Scott Demore would be smarter than to book a week's worth of shows in Ottawa. Like, I'd like to think he'd be smarter than that. I think it maybe it was. Uh, but, yeah, they went in blind, and the promo for this this taping and this show was really, really good. I love the promo for it. How do you think that the venue is going to look? Good, good. I mean, they it's, it's state-of-the-art in terms of the lighting and everything because, again, it's not like a typical nightclub where you're just walking into a dark room and there's a few speakers and it's boom, 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 boom. You know, the typical <laughs> yeah. bullshit. They have a state-of-the-art uh, lighting, audio, all that stuff. Like the AV, from what I hear, I've never been. I'm not a club guy, but I hear it's top-notch in terms of that. So I think it'll look fine. Yeah, I, I never got that far in Toronto. I was kicked out of the rec room along with some of your, your cohorts. <laughs> you were not kicked out of the rec room. You were polite as can be. It was others was. with you that got kicked out. Oh, yeah. I was saying because of your cohorts. <laughs> okay, anybody that's new to this podcast or anybody that's only been watching for a little while, all right? Sean's talked about this before. In person, Sean is an introvert. Oh, I am. Yeah, incredible. You are. And I, and I know Sean had told me that when you met uh, Matt Riddle, yeah. And, and, and uh, Sean, you said that Matt Riddle said that you were quiet, right? Yeah, I am quiet. You were kind of quiet here, too. And, and I remember I told you, I was like, man, when that, when that red light comes on, Sean, kind of like a lot of like WWE talent, you know? When that red light comes on, it's like it flips a switch in you. I do but my when job, the red... Jimmy. Well, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> so you did not get kicked out of any venue. Because no, the you're... infamous Allen did. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You're a little reserved for that. But. Well, yeah, I am. I've never get kicked out of anything. I'm just I said because of your cohorts. I didn't get go. to make it to a nightclub. They got me. You never. Out. You've never been kicked out of anything. Really? Uh, I, just, I don't think I have. I hate to admit it, but I can probably count on two hands how many times I've been kicked out of stuff. I would have to think back because, man, in my late teens, early twenties, I God, I did all kinds of dumb shit. Like staying like, up late and uh, eating uh, eating you know sugar cereal. <laughs> I'm exactly. done. I'm done busting your balls. I'm done busting your balls. I I'm said dumb shit, not wild shit. <laughs> Fair enough. Shit. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let, let's talk about the ITV World of Sport because this has been quite the interesting turn of events here. So, to recap, right? ITV, big big UK channel. They used to have a World of Sport Wrestling show years ago, and as a matter of fact, WWE tried to buy the rights to that footage at one point for the network. Um, they did a pilot in 2016 because they wanted to go back and do wrestling. They hired Jim Ross to do the commentary. After they did the pilot, WWE picked up Jim Ross strictly to keep him away from ITV. That's why they did it. Then it came out that Impact Wrestling was going to team up with ITV to do a, a set of tapings. WWE then went and signed a whole bunch of UK wrestlers and created the UK Championship strictly to prevent ITV from signing those guys. That's why they did it. Yeah. And the, and the Impact Partnership went nowhere. Now, uh, ITV has announced that they're going to do tapings over three days, May 10, 11, and 12, and they're going to be producing a 10-part series, uh, called, again, called ITV World of Sport. But they haven't announced any talent or anything yet. 
What do you think? Do you think that there is still enough available talent in that market of any kind of notoriety for them to make a go of that? Yeah, probably. Um, I don't know how big something like that is. Apparently, it's much bigger than I have any idea. ITV is a huge – yeah, it's a big station. Yeah, and because I'm not over there. So I usually refer to one of our – one of our viewers in the UK or Graham Williams is always really good about letting us know about stuff like that. But man, I think there is, but ultimately as, as far as it goes outside of the UK, I don't, I don't know that it'll resonate very much. I mean, a lot of the guys wrestle the same, look the right. same. Right. So I think yeah. it'll do fine there. Yeah. Well, and they no longer have JR. They no longer have, you know, a lot of the guys that they were going after before. Right. So yes, correct. We'll see what happens. Um, Okay, I'm going to talk about this China GoFundMe thing. Sure. And I'm doing this as a, sometimes I like to say this on the air, as a public service announcement, Sean. <laughs> That's why I'm doing it as a public service announcement. So, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be brutally honest because sometimes I like to be. So there is a, a piece of shit named Anthony Anzaldo. And he claimed that he was China's manager. Remember when she went to Japan, uh, claimed that she had three proposals because she was pretty fragile and pretty, uh, you know, she had some, some issues. She came back to the U.S., hooked up with this guy named Anthony Anzaldo, and they're going to do a documentary about her life, right, and about her career. Mm-hmm. He made her go to WWE headquarters because, again, she was so fragile then and stuff that she, she kind of went along with whatever. He made her go to WWE headquarters unannounced. He made her go into the building to try to get a meeting with Mr. Man, which he knew was never going to happen. And he made her take a bunch of pictures outside the headquarters and stuff. He did a bunch of stupid shit like that. When she passed away... He actually released a trailer for the documentary suggesting that he found her body because the way that he filmed, you know, going in there kind of thing, he suggested that he found her body, which I don't think was the truth. Uh, Most recently, what this guy is doing is he claims that he has one quarter of China's ashes and he claims that he wants to buy a plot in a Hollywood cemetery next to Judy Garland because supposedly China was a big fan of The Wizard of Oz. Right, yeah. and so we started to go fund me trying to raise twenty five grand to buy this plot. China's mother, as well as Sean Waltman, who was very close to China at, at one time, they've come out against this guy and said this guy is a liar and a scammer and a piece of shit and don't 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 need any money because apparently what happened was um, when China's body was cremated, he brought the ashes to her mother, apparently, and her mother kept a quarter of them. And said China wanted uh, to be buried at sea or something. So the rest of them I want you to spread uh, uh, in the ocean and I'll keep this quarter, right? Mm -hmm. Sean Waltman said he was at the ceremony and that he saw them empty the urn, right? And now this guy says that he has a quarter of the ashes, which means that he essentially stole a quarter of the ashes after getting them from the mother. They only spread half of them and he's got a quarter of them now, supposedly, and the mother's got a quarter of them. Uh, and he claims he's doing this because this, these were China's wishes. This is bullshit. Nobody donate to this. This guy's a piece of shit. He's going to keep the money for himself. Uh, the one piece of good news is I looked at the GoFundMe this morning, and they'd only raised 35 bucks. And so I think people have caught on. This guy's a, a liar yeah. and a piece of shit. And Ryan Satin, I think, has done a good job of, uh, of blowing the horn on this for Pro Wrestling Sheet. So I wanted to mention this because China, the last several years of her life were very difficult for her. And she was taken advantage of by people that, that recognized an opportunity and, you know, tried to gain whatever they could off of her celebrity. And for this guy to allegedly 
steal her ashes and now claim he wants 25 grand to buy a, 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 a cemetery plot piece of shit yeah one more can i say kind of still the words from my mouth yeah. uh, an amazing piece of shit piece of shit yep not what a lot is? you're not gonna find many more people within wrestling more genuine than sean waltman these days he, I saw that you guys had a nice little exchange on uh, Yeah, Twitter. I was doing the SummerSlam 2000 retro review for Fightful Select. I love that old spin kick he did. A lot of people got it confused. They thought I meant the standing one. No, I mean the one where he jumps up and the bottom half of his body rotates, but the top half doesn't. Right. Kicks, the people bump off of it. That's a finish today. But he's a really genuine dude and doesn't like have a – he's apologetic for the dumb shit he's done in the past. Right, and, right. Really, I think he's come really, to terms with who he is and, and all that. Did we? Did you and I ever talk about the Raw 25 documentary? Yeah, I think so, a little bit. Did we talk about Taker seeing him outside the uh, Manhattan Center? No. So i got to tell this story. It. If anybody hasn't seen this documentary, so Sean Waltman has this dog, yeah. right? And he brings his dog with him everywhere he goes. Every signing in every city. Was it the Hall of Fame, this, too? Yeah, he's got this dog, and the dog has a dislocated jaw, so his tongue is always sticking out. Right, and Sean Woman, I kind of feel for the dog because the dog must do a lot of traveling in a in a you know in a carry on or something. So there was a classic scene, and you know Taker, everybody loves the Undertaker and respects the Undertaker, right? Uh, and Taker's not the kind of guy that's going to talk shit. So there's a scene where Sean Waltman's walking in uh, in New York to the Manhattan Center, and he's got the dog and his little carry thing that he has, right? And right when he's getting to the Manhattan Center, there's an SUV that pulls up, and the back door opens, and the Undertaker gets out. And Sean Waltman sees him and goes, take. And Taker's like, hey, man. And Sean goes, he could tell Taker's looking at the dog. Yeah. But he's not going to say anything, right? So Sean goes, oh, this is whatever his name is, and I found him uh, on the street. He was, uh, he was a stray. Taker looks at him and goes, you mean today? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was pretty damn funny because Taker genuinely thought that, that he said, I picked him up on the street you know, back three blocks ago kind of thing and i thought that was pretty oh, that's funny fantastic yeah it's oh. fantastic yeah, yeah. Oh, so. wonderful guys also wonderful was my interview with one gangrel who you know used to be a porn producer kind of appropriate he's on the 69th edition of the list in your boy <laughs> not that i planned that or anything here's some more of my interview with gangrel you you had a run with WWF in 1994 too. Uh, I, I know you worked as the Black Phantom. What what happened there with that? Because uh, I know that you worked a lot of dates for them back then. Yeah, no, they flew me into like all the TVs, and I did a lot of house shows. I was never under a contract. They um they were always telling me, you know, to lose weight, grow my hair in. I had fangs bonded in permanently. They were like, you got to get rid of the fangs. Oh man. <laughs> like, yeah. So so I lost the weight, grew the hair in. And then got rid of the fangs, and then and didn't give me a contract in '98. And they they uh they say, hey, can you do the vampire thing? Oh, and we're man. gonna put a shirt on. We're gonna put a shirt on you. Can you cut your hair? <laughs> I I did everything they wanted except for cut the hair. Like I said, no, but you had me grow the hair back in. I kind of like it in now, leaving the hair though. <laughs> I'm sure you have yeah. to. Talk, I'm sure you have to talk about this one all the time. But you have the iconic entrance. I mean, who who first pitched yeah. that idea? When did you first hear about it? Well, well. They came to me on a Friday night, Vince Russo, and said, hey, can you still do the vampire thing? And it debuted on a Sunday night heat. So, <laughs> like, like uh, wow. so basically, like, it was, uh, like, a weekend thing. He 
he pretty much came up with the entrance. He was a big Kiss fan, and I like Kiss, so like he he came up with the elevator and the fire, and I came up with like um you know Gene Simmons guitar solo where the blood comes out. I said, well, I'll just take a chalice and I'll spray blood up, so I'll play a tribute like that, you know. But all, most of that was like Vince Russo and the music uh, was uh what's his name Jim Johnson, right? So yeah. like he came up with that. Um, I mean, I heard them talking about it and all, but I'm still not so sure they didn't rip off like the the, the toadies or uh, possibly kingdom of that, but yeah. <laughs> But uh, the music's great, and um, you know now like there's such controversy around the name that it, it, it's so hard. But I, I just recently, in the last couple of months since I opened the school, uh, I've actually acquired the federal trademark for for Gangrel and all the licensing and stuff like that. So I've been able to come out with hot sauces and uh, coming out with an energy drink and, and 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 some other products pretty soon. So so I, you know it's funny how everything spins around, man. But I just been very blessed. I just you know just just everything's falling into place, and I'm just very blessed guy. I, I was gonna ask you about that because I, I remember like on the video games and everything at the beginning there would be a warning sc- or not a warning screen, a, a notice screen that says Gangrel appears courtesy of White Wolf. But but now you've acquired that. Right now I've acquired it. Like WWE's kind of like just washed their hands of it because of all the drama. Like they had a they had to lease it for five years, and when they uh they leased it when that lease was up, that's pretty much when they let me go. And that lease was up on it, and then they brought me back to do a Monday Night Raw anniversary show. And White Wolf sold to another company. Well, that company tried to sue WWE for like five million dollars for that really? five minute appearance. So, yeah, so Vince went. He says I'm going to go to court. So Vince took it to court, and then uh, the judge pretty much when he slammed the gavel said. You know, nobody, the person that's been wrestling as Gangrel, the character has a character rights that's the case dismissed. So I had the character rights, but then just recently, the WWE, they didn't want to do it. They just washed their hands. I know when I did like Edge and Christian's, uh, not their podcast, but the ENC show they have on the channel there, they they said it took two weeks in legal just to agree to even let me do their show. And they couldn't say Gangrel and they couldn't say this and they couldn't say that. But, but now, now that's all under control because, but WWE washed their hands of it. So I don't know, you know, they never use me for anything now. And it's pretty much because they just don't want that legal issues, I guess. But (laughs) we're back. You all can see that full interview at fightful.com. Of course, our YouTube page, leave us a thumbs up and subscribe. I want you guys to leave a comment. What did you like about the show? I don't care what you didn't like. Jimmy will do it anyway. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Uh, Nigel, put up that uh, that Twitter shot. Sure. I want Sean's take on this one. So uh, yesterday, April 24th, uh, this picture was posted on Twitter. It's a picture of shoes hanging from a power line. Mm-hmm. And you know the symbolism behind that, right, Sean? Yes, yeah, sort of. Okay, so typically when you see shoes hanging from a power line, uh, it's, it symbolizes a death. Uh-huh. And usually it's a murder or something like that where they'll take, you know, typically the shoes of the kid kind of thing and in the, in, the, in the city, whatever, throw them up on the power line. That's usually <laughs> what the symbolism is. So Enzo Amore posted that picture on his Twitter account along with the caption, it's been real. Obviously, when you see that picture and you see that caption, you're hoping it's nothing too serious, right? Yes. You're hoping that he's not thinking anything, you know, any bad thoughts, and you're hoping that he's just thinking about maybe I'm going to leave the wrestling business. Yeah. Have you heard anything about Enzo Amore since he was let go from the company? Not a damn bit. Not a damn bit. He's keeping a low profile. He's not using social media very much. Uh, His non-compete is up. Although, I mean, under what they could really hold him to. If if maybe they said it would be longer or something like that, then he could challenge that. But I don't know if he's... 
nobody who would want to touch him right now. Maybe somebody would want to touch him, but yeah, I could see I could see Impact picking him up. Yeah, uh, the the case is still very much ongoing. I yeah. check every every two or three days. Well, I hope that post isn't reflective of him being in a bad way because uh, it's not a good look. So, yeah, I to mention that. Uh, what do you think about this low key thing that's happening? So, David so, Bixen span. Okay, go ahead. Tell me what you know. David Bixen span wants to cover it for us. He does. Well, we expense it. Oh, you mean to actually do the seminar? Yeah. Will How much we- is it? Uh, like 25 35 bucks i think yeah go ahead cool yeah go ahead i'll go ahead and send him the confirmation now i was supposed to talk to you about that today yeah so uh i i heard about this through david bixon span because uh, he was posting on twitter so low-key real name brandon Silvestri, uh has created a webinar series called the mind prepared uh mm-hmm. and he says that he is quote a professional perform it's perform yeah professional performance education he is essentially a self-help guru. That's basically kind of what it is. You can go to, you can go to the mindprepared.com for more information. Um, obviously, given Loki's reputation on the independent wrestling scene, people are jumping all over this because he does not have the best reputation. As a matter exactly. of fact, at least one promoter has tweeted directly to Loki since his news came out <laughs> saying, uh, since you're a life coach now, does that mean that you're going to return my deposit after you no-showed my event? Ooh, what promoter yeah. was that? GC, uh, GCW, I think Game Changer Wrestling. They're the ones that put on the Riddle and Janela shows. Was that the one? The Game Changer Wrestling? Yeah, GCW? where Riddle was supposed to face low-key. They said uh, $800 deposit, and he didn't, he didn't do the show. <sighs> and he's had this reputation of, like, you know, he doesn't want to put guys over and stuff like that. And so it's ironic to me that uh, somebody with that reputation is now going to be a Tony Robbins-esque professional performance educator oh that was interesting well we're gonna have the scoop on that uh at fightful.com because david bixon span i just sent him the approval to cover it that's gonna be interesting and also yeah. uh we might have something i'm in talks with anna bauer she might do a behind the scenes look at the epw uh show that they ran with progress recently because she was all over the place i heard that. a thousand like a thousand people right oh yeah did really good now you know me and anna were talking and i would love to have her she is a God, she's a great actress, but the first thing that I saw her write was the Glow Review, and that blew up. That did great for us. She is an good. extremely talented writer as well. That's good. Is she part of um, that promotion? EPW? Yeah, yeah, she is. She does interviews or something, right? Yeah, does interviews, helps them out backstage, That's cool. uh, helps them work with promos, stuff like that. Good for her. Good for her. That's cool. Um, the All In Show. Yeah, that the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes are doing uh, in Chicago in September. So they they had previously announced obviously Kenny Omega is going to be there. That was a given, I think. Yes, uh, and probably the rest of the Bullet Club as well. They've now announced Pentagon Junior. That guy's everywhere all of a sudden. Pentagon. Mm-hmm. So he's he, going to be. He's on Fightful.com for an exclusive interview that Carlos Toro did in Spanish, then translated. Good job. I told, so... I told Carlos, I was like, buddy, you have a niche that nobody has tapped. That's true. So Pentagon's going to be there. Joey Janela, Chelsea Green, Jay Lethal, Britt Baker. Do you think there's any possibility, not necessarily in a match, but I think it's likely that CM Punk shows up? I think it's possible. Sure. I think I think he shows up. I think he does. And I, I, it would not surprise me if he cuts a promo in the ring just for kicks. He is – I know that Matt Jackson asks him about stuff all the time. Matt Jackson's very open about uh, him wanting CM Punk to come back and – if you remember a few uh, years ago in that Colt Cabana interview, 
CM Punk, I joked, half serious though, said, you know what, maybe I will come back. Maybe I'll come back and wrestle the Young Bucks at PWG or something like that. So... I heard that the I heard the building the 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 PWG building isn't sold yet. Maybe the maybe Legion not. Hall or whatever it is. It might be the case. I know that they they ran their last set of shows there this past weekend. Matt Riddle yeah. was there and uh, never answers me when I ask. He'll answer anything else, but I'm like, oh, what do you think about the Legion Hall and not doing shows there? And ghost, because probably just doesn't care. Ghost probably doesn't give a shit. No, probably doesn't no. give a shit. Probably likes the new venue, which looks very good. I will yep. eventually go see a show at that venue. Wish I could have seen one at the Legion Hall just to do it, but my brother's out in L.A., so I'll eventually go visit him and take I heard him it one was an shows. oven. I heard that that was an oven. Yeah, you know what? You, that's what I was always told, too. Last summer, I think it was, or maybe it was two summers ago now, Justin Roberts hit me up, and I kind of felt bad about it. Uh, he hit me up, and he said, Hey, uh, I'm going to be coming to Toronto. Tommy Dreamer's doing a House of Hardcore show at whatever arena it was. And he said, You want to come out? And I knew the arena because yeah. Ring of Honor does it sometimes. And I knew that in the middle of July that that arena was going to be like 50 degrees Celsius, which is a friggin' oven. And I told uh, Justin I couldn't make it. Kind of felt I, a little I don't bad blame about you. that afterwards. I but don't it was, blame you. And, and I heard afterwards because, you know, he wears the suit and everything, right? Yeah. And he was just soaked right through. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, like I, I you know. Speaking I of all in, we were – Kind of considering me going to Chicago f- to cover their press conference, but we're sending Steve Muehlhausen there. He's in Chicago, one of our good freelancers. Uh, so we will have coverage of uh, that all-in press conference. As I was looking at that, I was like, man, the flights are cheap and stuff, and it'd be nice to go because it's not that bad of a trip. That's a UFC weekend too. So Steve yeah, you, you, can, you can go ahead and shit on me because I'm the one that said no. So you can, you can shit on me. Ah, no, it, we wouldn't have made back what we – I basically at. told Sean, I told Sean, how does it make sense for me to spend over a thousand bucks to send you to a t-shirt shop for a so-called <laughs> press conference? That's what I said to him. So no, I, so I, I was said, shitting on you for shitting on our t-shirt shop that we get our shirts from. I mean, I don't own it, so it's not my t-shirt shop. Well, just because we get, we get, we get stuff anyway. I wanted us to have. I'm a just presence. honest, Nigel. It didn't make sense, right? Well, thousand dollars that actually matters. I wanted us to have a presence there, and we do. They're the gonna place. have three folding tables with like T-shirts on the wall behind it, and they're gonna call that a press conference. Like, it just didn't make sense, you know. So I couldn't do it. I'm just being honest. Sean. I love when you undermine shit that we're doing. Actively. No, go ahead. It's good. It's good. It's, it's no. It's you've important. already undermined. Why do you do that all the time? <laughs> For that reaction. <laughs> That's God. why I do it. That's why I did. Whoa, why don't we get this person? They got exclusives. Ah, well, maybe we would have if you didn't shit on everyone. <laughs> but no, you want to preserve the relationship with that leathery old fuck superstar Billy Graham. I'm sure he's going to be what's hot in the streets coming out. Not, you know, I don't know, a 10,000 seat event. You know something, man? I respect guys from the past that gave their bodies for little money because they never made the kind of money the guys today Superstar made. Superstar Billy Graham made plenty of money. Not as much as you think, buddy. Not he as much as you think. Money. He's been retired for 30 years. He still made plenty of money back then. Not enough to, to, to survive on, to His retire on. His skin is pure leather. That is expensive. <laughs> that is costly. Uh, you know, Bruno San Martino, Bruno San Martino, who was good with his money and, and, you know, he was never rich or anything. He was good with his money. He lived in the same house always. Did you know that? 
He never moved. He stayed in that same house in Pittsburgh through his run right through until he was 82 years old. That's that's my hopes eventually is when I buy a house, that is the house that I'll have. The one I'm working on, that's my plan. The yeah. one I'm working on. I plan to stay there for a long Unless time. Unless I get into like renovations or something as a hobby, that's that's my plan is once I find a place, my wife. You know something, Sean? College. If I bring you back to Toronto this summer, all right? Uh-huh. If if you're nice enough to me and 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 polite enough, you can have and... me cover Bound for Glory, or do you want to shit on them too? Or not Bound for Glory, Slammiversary. Slammiversary. Uh, Demore's all right. I like Scott Demore. He's you're you're right. like, why would I want you to cover that? You fucking go twerk in a dance hall. Actually, it'd be funny to see you go to a nightclub. That'd be kind of funny. I, I, I go to nightclubs. Too. I might tell you that I need you to go to the Saturday before to scout it out first. <laughs> but if I bring you, if if I bring you in the summer, I might bring you to my new house. I might invite you over to my new house. Oh, nice! Uh, our wives can watch Goddamn Riverdale together. Oh, I'm I'm so, I was supposed to ask you this question. My <laughs> wife said to me, "Does Sean watch Riverdale with his wife?" And I said, oh, "I don't know." Hell no. Okay, good for you, man. Good so you. Wednesday nights, <laughs> I've, I've often mentioned this. Wednesday evenings are kind of like my Fridays because Thursday, Friday, I don't typically have podcasts. So. It used to be my wife and I would, uh, after I edit this show, we'd go out for dinner on a Wednesday. Fucking Riverdale Wednesdays now. Isn't it Netflix? No? Maybe for you all, no. It's on like some stupid ass channel. Oh, like like CW or some yeah. shit? And now oh. I follow uh, LaToya Ferguson of After Buzz, so I see her reviews all the time. And I messed with my wife last week because I read the review but didn't watch the show. And I was sitting there uh. talking about things, and she's like, What'd you do? Like, where were you? Because I left the house for a little bit. Ah. Who did you watch that with? And I'm like, nobody. And I did say, I was like, you know, you and Jimmy's wife watch Riverdale. And then I'm like, you know what? Me and Jimmy talk about pro wrestling for 90 minutes every Wednesday. Fair, fair. And my my wife watches Walking Dead with me. We both love that show. And I know you love that show. Yeah. Yeah, I love that show. I love the the new Fear of the Walking Dead. I think it's the best it's ever been. Do you think Rick should have just killed Negan? Because Negan's an awesome character. But do you think in terms of the the, the sense of the show, he should should have just killed him? Yep, should have murdered him. Also, viewership has been chopped in less than half since Negan showed up. What? In less than half, yeah. I think it's because the show's run its course. I don't think it's because of Negan because Negan's freaking awesome. Could be the case. Could definitely be the case. Show's run its course, I think. You all can hear me talk more about that on last week's Fightful members only podcast at FightfulSelect.com. Did you ever watch Breaking Bad? That's my favorite show of all time. I agree. I think Breaking Bad is the greatest show of all time, and I am a massive, massive fan of Gus Fring. Oh, yeah, me right? too. I thought Gus Fring was the greatest bad guy because of, of, of the, the, the different sides of his character. Yep. Negan is similar to me because Negan is actually a very likable friggin' badass murderer. You know what I, I mean? I think he was a little too over the top initially. Like they made him have redundant character traits and like the way mm. that he said things and his exaggerated emotions. I want to see eventually like a, a slight Breaking Bad, Walking Dead crossover, which has happened a little bit with the blue meth showing up in Walking Dead. Mm. Uh, also, you know, the guy that plays Simon on Walking Dead, correct? Uh, yeah, I, I heard you say this on a podcast where he went by a different name on Saul. Yeah, he had he has a last he has a first name but no last name on Walking Dead, and right. then in the prequel to Breaking Bad, he's playing a another criminal crony type of guy. He has no first name, but he has a last name. Right. Looks uh, the, the one one takes place in like Atlanta, and one takes place in New Mexico. Hey, it's been ten years at that point. I suppose. I suppose. Ten years. 
I, I do yeah. believe. I do. Believe. Did you not have a problem with the CGI tiger? That was what. Uh, yeah, that was what did it for me. I was yeah. like, I can't watch this. Yeah, show a little bit. It was kind of silly. Yeah, but Negan's still awesome. Aaron Hyden says I need to be on a members only podcast. All right, how about your own next month's members only podcast? There we go. There you go. Um, guys, follow us at Fightful Online. Follow me at Sean Ross Sap. I mean, at least until Jimmy Van tries to undermine that as well and tell and you all gonna... that I post stupid tweets that don't matter. <laughs> well, you, well, you do. But speaking of stupid, <laughs> stupid people extended, FightfulSelect.com. We're, we're going to do that in a few minutes. Yes. Also, uh, leave us a thumbs up, subscribe. Let us know what you like about this show. Until next time, guys, join us. Friday, right after the Greatest Royal Rumble, I got a post show. We're out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.